Okay, if you would take your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Just to get started. Revelation chapter 4. Going to be looking at some eschatology. Eschatology is the doctrine of last things. In other words, we're talking about prophecy. And probably, I'm not sure I've read different, trying to remember exactly how much, at least a third of the Bible or two-thirds of the Bible is prophetic. And now, a lot of it has been fulfilled, but there's still much to be fulfilled. Uh, so tonight we're going to be looking at the next event on God's time clock. Of course, that is the rapture of the saints. But anyway, Revelation chapter 4, you know, in Revelation 2 and 3, 1, 2, and 3, he addresses seven churches. And then in Revelation 4, verse 1, it says this, after this, in other words, after the letters to the churches, after he addressed the churches, he says, after this, I looked, behold, a door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet, talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. He that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And so, of course, we believe this is a... John here is giving us a picture or describing for us uh, the order of events. And, of course, uh, that next event after the churches are, are, are uh, addressed or spoken to, and after the, the age of the churches, he's called up hither. He said he heard the voice as of a trumpet. And uh, what's the first Corinthians 15 says... The, there's going to be the sound of a trumpet. I think it's First Thessalonians 4, actually. But anyway, so we're going to look tonight at the next great event on Lord's Time Clock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word. Pray that you give us wisdom and understanding into thy truth, that we'd better, be better equipped and um, enabled to understand uh, the times and, and also um, uh, understand the uh, the teaching concerning the Lord's coming and our preparation and need to be prepared for that, knowing that it is imminent, as it can be at any time. And so, Lord, just help, help us, uh, get, help us to rightly by thy truth and be edified. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there is, of course, much uh, talk in our world today about um, the apocalypse uh, if you look at some headlines, for example, on a, a, a website called timeanddate.com, it, there's, a, there's a caption, The end of the world is near again. For centuries, doomsdayers have prophesied the apocalypse and so on and so forth. And, of course, this guy said the predictions never come true. Well, Peter says there's going to be scoffers in the last days. And he gives some examples of those that... that uh, uh, of those who predicted the end of the world, you know, um, there was a, uh, a, 
a book in 1973 by astrologer Gene Dixon that described that Jesus was scheduled to return between 2020 and 2037. Um, she also predicted a cure for cancer in 1967, too. So, you know, that didn't happen. Uh, of course, there's a, there's a Viking stone that, you know, they say that they deciphered the, the writings on it and, and so on. It's supposed to predict the end of the world. The uh, uh, Harold Camping, who was a quote-unquote um, Christian, quote-unquote preacher, you know, he predicted the, the coming of the Lord several times. There's even what they call the doomsday clock, which which says that that uh, the apocalypse will come by 2025 uh, because of the uh, we are destroying the world with our dangerous technologies, including nuclear weapons and climate change. You know, so uh, anyway, lots of people talking about the end of the world is near. Well, you know, sometime the world is going to come to an end, but when you study prophecy. We're not supposed to teach prophecy to, for, to sensationalize, as some do. You know, in Second Timothy or Second Peter, chapter two and verse eighteen, the Bible says, "For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error." You know, a lot of people get into prophecy and they give these wild predictions, and they they'll pull a verse out of the Psalms and they'll and they'll stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. And get supposedly get things out of it that you know you make you make you wonder um, are they all right? Uh, and they like to write books and sell books, and you know a lot of this stuff never happens. In fact, none of their stuff ever happens. Uh, no, it's not for sensation. We're supposed to take it literally and put keep it in its context. Uh, we're not to study or to teach prophecy to foretell the to, the future, or that is to set a date. Jesus himself said, No man knoweth the day of the hour of the Son of Man cometh. No, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Matthew 24, 36. So we don't know, and we're not going to know the date of his coming. Third thing, we're not supposed to go beyond the Bible. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. Again, keeping things in context. However, God has told us everything he wants us to know. You know, there's some things God doesn't tell us. Um, and we'll look at a few of those, but you know, Revelation 22.18 tells us that the canon of Scripture is complete, and uh, we're not to add to, we're not to take away from the words of Scripture. God has given us everything that we, he wants us to know. Now, the Bible does say that he doesn't want us to be ignorant. And one of those things that, that God doesn't want us to be ignorant about is his coming. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you saw or not, even as others which have no hope. You know, there's a lot of things God doesn't want us to be ignorant about, and he doesn't want us to be ignorant of his, of his righteousness. Of course, we are made righteous through the blood of Christ. Romans 10.3 tells us that. The children of Israel were ignorant concerning the righteousness of God. They went about to establish their own righteousness. He doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of Satan's devices, 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that. Uh, Satan is out to destroy us, and he doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning prophecy. 
And uh, so, so what is that great event? Well, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of people believe the end of the world is coming. Some believe there'll be a nuclear war breakout and destroy all the nations and and all that. Um, I'm not saying there won't be a nuclear war sometime, but that's not what's going to destroy the world. The Bible's very clear about that in Revelation 19 uh, and 20 and 21, what's going to destroy the world. God's going to ju- come in judgment and destroy this world. But, uh, of course, Hollywood makes films like Armageddon, which betray the end of the world and so on and so forth. Some believe Antichrist will appear and that that's the next great event, although that is not true. The next great event, of course, is the blessed hope. Uh, if you go to second, or Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. I'm going to drop back to verse 11 to get the context. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God on our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and re- exhort and rebuke with all authority, that no man despise thee. And so the next event, you might say, on God's time clock is the blessed hope. It's called the blessed here, the blessed hope. Uh, a, a, ho- a blessed hope surely can't be a war. That doesn't sound doesn't sound uh, like that's a that's a mix, or nuclear destruction, or Armageddon, or Antichrist appearing. That that certainly wouldn't be a blessed hope. Uh, no, this this event, of course, is an event that's going to be a blessing to God's people. Notice again, verse eleven: the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. You know. Bible words are important, even the two little words, us. God's writing this to us, to save people, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for. So we ought to be looking. We that are saved should be looking for this blessed hope. And, of course, this is, this is referred to, what we're referring to here is the rapture of the saints. And that's the next great event that will happen on God's time clock. And he describes it here as a blessed hope and a glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is referring to the same person, because he is the great God. So this is a glorious appearing. Uh, it will be glorious to us who are saved. It will but not be so glorious to those who are not. But it will be to us. Now there are there are some various positions held as to uh, the order of things happening. There are three basic positions concerning the rapture. Uh, there's the post-tribulation rapture theory that the saints will go through the tribulation period. Uh, again, this is the theory, and it really can't be proven in Scripture uh, if you rightly divide the Scriptures. Uh, there's what's referred to as the mid-tribulation rapture. This, this is really a relatively new thing. Uh, uh, it came, uh, well, there's another one called, uh, a, a branch off of this called the pre-wrath rapture, which is basically the same thing. 
And and uh, I can remember when when some guy started. Um, I'm trying to remember his name, but I can't remember. Anyway, that the idea here of a mid tribulation rapture is the saints will go through the first three and a half years of the tribulation, and and again, the, the, there's there's some real problems trying to prove that from scripture. Uh, but the position we hold and believe the Bible teaches is a pre-tribulation rapture. In other words, we'll be, the saints will be taken to heaven before the tribulation begins. And and again, this is what this is what uh, the Bible indicates here in the book of Revelation. So the Lord addresses the churches, and immediately after this, John said he heard a voice as it were, a trumpet talking with him. And it said, come up hither. That's a rapture. That's a picture of a rapture. Uh, and, and we'll see, I think you'll see that more clearly uh, later on and we'll, as we look at some other scriptures. You know, as we think about a timetable, you know, the tribulation period is seven years long. At the end of the tribulation, the Lord's going to appear in and come to earth. But in the rapture, he's going to come in the air. We're going to meet him in the air. And then the tribulation period begins. The Antichrist will be revealed after that time. And we'll look at some of those passages. So, But anyway, so as we think about the rapture, uh, let's look at three passages of Scripture that teach us. First of all, go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. In John 14, this is, I believe, really the only place that the Lord Jesus himself, and speaking to his disciples, you know, he made reference to his coming, but it gave specifics about uh, a rapture, the rapture. John 14 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And so, you know, Jesus is telling the disciples just before, you know, a day or two before his death, they're in the upper room, and he's, he has already foretold his death, and they are, of course, very troubled about that. Uh, they don't really understand. They haven't, they haven't yet really accepted the fact that he's going to die and be resurrected. Uh, uh, you know, really, the only one I think that really believed it was Mary. She, Mary Magdalene, uh, not Mary Magdalene, Mary, the sister of uh, Martha. Uh, but anyway, so he told, he tells him here. He says, "I'm going to go." In other words, he's going to go away. And of course, he tells them that next next few chapters that he's going to go away and he's going to send the Comforter. So he's going to go, and he said, "I will prepare a place for you," and then. I will come again, verse 3, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So he's going to repair a place, and then he's coming back for us and take us to that place. Now, the Jews had never heard of anything like this before. Uh, they had heard about the kingdom of God. Uh, but this this rapture idea, or, or going to be with him, is something new to them. Uh, this is probably the first time he's ever mentioned it. And and it, it kind of pictures uh, the wedding day or, or the, the betrothal and the wedding of a Jewish uh, couple. You know, as you think about the Jewish or Eastern wedding of that day, 
you know, a man was espoused or like engaged, and it was a, there was a contract binding which required a bill of divorcement to break. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter one that when 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 uh, uh, Mary was espoused to Joseph, and he thought her, he thought to give her. Let's just go over there, Matthew chapter one. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of we we don't really understand this th- these things, but uh, Matthew 1, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away, in other words, give her a bill of divorcement. but he's going to do it privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived to her is of the Holy Ghost. So so he, they're espoused, or they're engaged. We would call it an engagement. So uh, you know, the way they did this was, there was, a, there was a contractual agreement made between the two families of a daughter and a son, and and they espoused, and after that agreement, they, the son would go back and prepare a place for his bride. It might take six months. It might take a year. It might take longer than that. When he got the place ready, he would come for his bride and then take her back to his home, and the marriage would be consummated. But until that time, there was no physical relations. And that's why the Bible says that Joseph was minded to put her away privately. Because they hadn't been, they hadn't, they hadn't been married yet. Uh, they were, they were just a spouse. So he, he had, he had started to prepare a place for her. Oftentimes they would do it on, at, at his father's house where they would live. And so, and again, when the place is ready, he would return for his bride. And of course the bride was looking forward to his return. Uh, that was her blessed hope of him returning for her. Uh, she would consider it a blessing when he appeared. And, and, you know, we as Christians are to be longing for his appearance in, uh, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So, so a Christian ought to have that hope, of, or the, the hopeful blessing of his appearance. Uh, we should be longing for his appearance. That's the idea here. And so that is the next great event on God's time clock. Again, it's not a nuclear war. It's not Armageddon. Or it's not Antichrist. It's, re- it's Christ's return for his bride. Now, the word bride, referring to God's people, is only used, I think, once or twice in the New Testament. There's speculation about exactly what that is. You know, some people say it's the it's the universal church. Um, I, I believe it's the saints. 
when they're gathered as his bride. By the way, they will be visible too. Uh, but anyway, so, and it's, it's not referring to the church. Uh, it can refer to the churches. So, so that's, that's the first passage. Second passage is 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51 through 58 <clears throat> says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trump, and there's the trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound that, that Revelation 4, dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he said, I'm going to show you a mystery. Now, you know, a mystery in the Bible, unlike modern day mystery stories or mystery shows, a mystery is something in the Bible that was previously hidden but now revealed. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. And there Peter says these things were not revealed before, but are now revealed. Uh, 1 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 10. Of which salvations the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, Searching what, or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. Unto whom it was revealed, that, that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you, by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So the prophets prophesied some of these things, but they didn't know what it was. It was different. Than the Old Testament, they they had no idea that you know, and that's why the you think about it, that's why there was such animosity from the Jews for so long, or fear that the Gentiles could hear the word of God and be saved. You know, even Peter, you know, the apostle who was the first pastor after Jesus at the first church of Jerusalem, you know, he didn't want to go to Cornelius's house. It it took that vision three times, uh, and those men knocking at his door. Uh, it wasn't something he really wanted to do because he did not think that Gentiles could be heirs of the same kingdom as the Jews. Uh, so these, 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 this was a mystery. The gospel that we understand and the, the age of the churches was a mystery to the Old Testament prophets and to the angels. Angels desire to look into it. Uh, so this was a mystery, but it's now revealed. Uh, and, 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 this is what he says, I'm going to show you. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not going to all sleep. And of course, sleep in the Bible refers to death. Physical death. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. In other words, some have died. And even in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he's, uh, when he's writing them to concerning the Lord's table and their corruption of it, he says uh, in verse 30, 
verse 30, or verse 29 and 30, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So some at Corinth had died, had brought a physical death on themselves by their, uh, uh, you know, corrupting the Lord's table. You know, that's a serious issue. Uh, it's used also in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. You know, they ask some questions concerning them which sleep in Jesus. In other words, save people who have died. They were asking, what happens to them? And so he says, you're not going to all sleep. Now what that means is, you may be alive when the rapture takes place. You may be alive. Paul said, I'm showing you a mystery. You may be alive when the Lord comes. Uh, we don't know. You know, um, you know, I had a preacher friend that his wife said they were all they were always going to go up together, but they didn't. We don't know that. They were hoping to be alive when the Lord comes. They thought they would be, but but it didn't happen that way. Uh, he still hasn't come, but he will come. So sleep, simply simply saying what he said. This mystery is you're not all sleep. Some of you are going to be just changed. You're going to get a new body. So the mystery is not all will die. Of course, everyone, everyone, you know, kind of dreads death. Even Christians, we fear it because it's it's an unknown. Uh, but we need not. But the dead, of course, the dead will be raised. He says here, the dead will be raised. Uh, and and the, and the the uh, we which are alive will be changed. Uh, we shall be changed. Verse fifty one says. So we who are alive will be changed. And it's, it'll happen at a twinkling of an eye, as fast as you can blink your eye. It's going to happen. You know, we, and our, this mortality, which is capable of dying, must put on immortality, which is incapable of dying. So, you know, we're not all going to sleep. We're not all going to sleep. Some of us are going to be alive when the Lord comes. Um, that'd be a, be a, a, uh, Exciting time to be alive when the Lord comes. And then there's a third passage concerning the rapture, and that's in 1 Thessalonians, probably one of the most, most common ones. And that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, where Paul answers some questions that they had concerning uh, those who had died. Where he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, there are those who have died, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent. The word of prevent means to precede them which are asleep. So the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so here Paul is addressing the church at Thessalonica and the questions they had concerning those who died or were asleep in Jesus. And he said, we don't need a sorrow like the world. You know, there's always sorrow at death, because death is a separation. 
separation. If a person don't, doesn't know Christ, it's an eternal separation. But when a person knows Christ as Lord and Savior, it's only a temporary one. It's only a temporary one. But there's still sorrow. But, you know, if we believe in a resurrection as these people did, believe in a resurrection, we can, we, we have the word of the Lord here. Of course, again, this is instruction. Think, think of, think about it. If you didn't have a Bible, would you have questions? <laughs> You'd have a lot of questions. They didn't have a Bible. And so what they're getting is the scripture in progress as they're, and they're learning things. And so, because, you know, we have the whole Bible. And so we can read these things. But, but again, so they had questions about this. So this is what the, the Lord gives Paul to address, to, to write to them under inspiration. And, uh, and he, so he tells them that the, the, the instruction or the truth concerning those which sleep, uh, uh, you know, He assured them that their loved ones would be resurrected at the resurrection. After all, he taught the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the saints. So he says, if we believe, verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Uh, So if we believe in the resurrection of Christ, that assures us, since we are in Christ, of our own resurrection our own resurrection. As Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, also in 1 Corinthians 15, and assured them of that. So, uh, that they would be resurrection. And of course, he gives the, 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 the specifics here that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17. And then we which are alive remain. So, the, you know, the picture we see here is the Lord's coming in the air. The, res- the dead in Christ are going to be raised. Their bodies are going to be raised, changed, and we which are alive are going to go up together to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And the word caught up means to really be like seized. Violently seized. The picture here is of, of an invading army going in and capturing its prize and taking it out of enemy territory. We are living in enemy territory. Satan is the god of this world. And Satan wants to he wants to keep us here. He wants to discredit us. He wants to discourage us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to ruin us. And the and the Bible says here that that we which are alive remain shall be caught up. In other words, we're going to be we're going to be taken out of Satan's domain. This world, he he is the god of this world, and and uh, you know the the world wants to keep us on their terms, just like they wanted to keep the children of Israel capture captive in Egypt. Pharaoh did not want to let the children of Israel go. After all. They were blessed because of the children of Israel. He didn't want to let them go. As strange as that sounds, you know, despite the fact the world doesn't like us, they know that Christians are a positive influence in the world. And so Satan not let us go. But he assured them that they would be resurrected. 
And see, God has not appointed us to wrath. Drop down to chapter 5. I'm going to look at a few things here as we consider this timetable and to show, give evidence again that, that the, the, the saints will not go through the tribulation period. Verse, verse 1, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. When they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, notice, again, there's some, some qualifiers. Us who are of the day. We are children of light. We're not children of darkness. So he's, he's, he's differentiating between the saved children of light and the unsaved children of darkness. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should, not li- we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So, again, I'm going to point out several things here in this passage. Verse 3 says, For when they shall say, Peace and safety. Who's talking about peace and safety? Well, the world is. And we need to get all get together and create a world of peace and safety. I mean, even your even your dollar bills are bad. They're dirty. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, there was places you could take your your money to and get it cleaned during the coronavirus because they're afraid you get you know. So they were there was a real push by a lot of people to to get rid of cash and go all digital. Nancy Pelosi was pushing that. I'll go all digital because cash is dirty. They want a cashless society. That's what the one, that's what the one world government wants. And, and, and they, they're thinking, the thinking is, you know, if we all get together, there will be peace and safety, the unity around the world. And the Bible says here, when they say peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction. And we'll, well, we're going to look at this further on in the next few weeks. This is the premise upon which the Antichrist is going to take over the world, is peace. He's going to come in with a story of peace and safety. He's going to assure Israel peace. But it's only going to be short-lived, as we shall see. No, when they shall say peace and safety, it also says here, uh, they shall not escape. Uh, verse 3, again, when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as trail upon a woman's child, and they, they, again, they, not us, they, the, the children of darkness, unsaved people, shall not escape. And then uh, in verse uh, uh, 10, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, in other words, whether we're living or are dead when he comes. We're going to live together with him. We're, we're going up to be with him. Uh, 
God has not appointed us. God has not appointed his bride. The Lord Jesus Christ hasn't appointed his bride to wrath. To wrath. He is going to pour out his wrath on his own brethren. Think about it. He called his disciples brethren. So you and I are brethren of our Lord. He's considered the firstborn. He's, you know, he's the elder brother. Uh, uh, but, but he considers us brethren. We're his, we're the children of God. He has not appointed us to wrath. That wrath is going to be poured out on an unbelieving world. And so, I think the Bible is very clear here that God's people that are, the saved that are, that are, that, uh, 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 will not be and go through any part of the tribulation period and endure the wrath of God that is poured out upon this earth. Again, Revelation chapter 4. So when does this take place? Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Again, after the, after the, he addresses the churches and then he's called up hither. There's no mention of the churches from Revelation 4 on. It refers to the bride in chapter 22, but not churches. There's no churches during the tribulation period. Uh, the gospel is going to be preached. There's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists preaching the gospel in the world. They're going to be sealed. Revelation tells us that. There's going to be an angel flying through the heavens with the everlasting gospel. Do you ever see? You know, I think about it. You ever, you ever been somewhere and there's a an airplane airplane flying over with a banner behind it on with a message on it? That's kind of the idea. Except it's going to be an angel. Revelation tells us. And so the saints will be delivered, and the word "delivered" of course means to be saved from, delivered from the wrath to come or the judgment day of the Lord. You know, and he, again, he describes it as the day of the Lord. And Peter uses that, the Bible uses that same language in, in 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3, when Peter says, the day of the Lord, 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are in the burned up shall be burned up. And, and so here he's talking about, when God comes and judges the earth, that's the day of the Lord. But seven years prior to that, before the tribulation starts, will be the rapture of the saints. And we're going to be delivered from God's wrath being poured out on this unbelieving world. Now there are really, you know, some people say, well, what are the signs of us coming? Well, really, there's really no signs that are specifically given for the rapture. Look at Luke twenty one twenty eight again. We looked at this last Thursday night. So I want to make a reference here to that. Luke twenty one twenty eight. <clears throat> you know, he talked about things that are going to happen during the tribulation period. And and uh, during that, the Jerusalem's going to be encompassed back with armies. That's during tribulation. The desolation thereof, verse twenty. Uh, uh, talking about the stress in the land, and uh, uh, the, verse twenty-four says they shall fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive unto all nations, and so on. And so, and you know, all this stuff. 
signs, verse 25, signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, earth, the stresses, men's hearts. Well, this is, this is tribulation period. And then it says in verse 27, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So the whole world's gonna see him coming at his, at his second coming. Not at the rapture. And then it says this, verse 28, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, till we don't really know when that's gonna happen. Uh, there's really no signs. The rapture, you see, is only for the saints and therefore is selective. Go to Luke 17. Go to Luke 17. And it will only be revealed to the saved. Luke 17, verse 22 says, and he said unto his disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here, see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lightning out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of the Man be in his day. So when the Lord comes to the earth, just like the lightning is seen, you know, one part of heaven to the other, he's going to be seen all over the world. But, First, he must suffer many things to be rejected of this generation. First, he has to die. And then he goes on and says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark. Flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, and that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Now, really what he's talking about there again is tribulation. Tribulation period. But we see some of these things coming happening now. They're eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Living in pleasure. However, then he says in verse 33, and I think he changes gears here, whosoever shall seek to save his life. Okay, if you want to save your life, if you want to save your soul, you're going to seek to save your life, shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life, shall preserve it. So if you want to save yourself from this time of judgment, if you want to, if you want to save your soul from the, the destruction of, of Almighty God, you got to lose yourself. In other words, you got to repent and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You got to deny yourself, take up His cross, and follow Him. So on and so forth. And that's the idea here. He said, "I tell you, in that night, so when the Lord appears for His own, in that night there shall be two men in one bed; the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding together; the one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field; the one shall be taken, the other left." And the answer is said, Where? And to him, Where? Lord, he said to them, Wheresoever the eagle, the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. So, so again, if you want to save your, if you want to be saved from the judgment of his appearing, you must lose your life. You must repent of your sin, turn away from yourself, and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior from sin.
and you will be delivered from the wrath that is to come. That will assure that when the trumpet sounds, you'll be caught up hither and delivered from the judgment of God that he's going to pour out on this wicked and unbelieving world during the tribulation period. And so, the next event on God's time clock, it's the rapture of the saints. He's coming for us. Are you prepared? Are you watching? Are you in anticipation looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing?